In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Here's Saul Tlamachia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, there's nobody I'd rather have on right now than Buster Olney. Friend of the program. Um, Buster, how are you? How how is your how's your holidays going so far? This week has been everyone says you have nothing happened this week, but even if nothing happens, you still Buster, you know this better than anybody. You're still like one eye on the phone more than probably any other week of the year, right? It's it's sort of unnerving, isn't it? Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, my, and my holidays. Uh, you know, we went to Stonington, Connecticut for Thanksgiving. That was super fun. Friends and family. Uh, Going to be out here in Montana for for Christmas. Um, uh, look, there's no doubt right now, especially with the big names on the board. Uh, you know, with Juan Soto, with all the the conversation. You know, is it going to be traded to the Yankees this week before they finish the deal? Uh, late on Wednesday night, you know, what's going to happen with Otani? What's going to happen with Yamamoto? And I think there are teams under pressure that are really interesting. The Giants are under pressure. The Red Sox are under pressure. The Mets are under pressure. And no team was under more pressure as the week started than the Yankees were. Yeah, well, well, they, they stared, they looked in the eyes of the pressure and, and they actually did something. So there's a few different places where we can start, but Let's start with the Yankees. Why don't we do that? Because, as you said, they made a couple moves. Um, let's start with the one that isn't so smack in the face. Oh, my goodness, I can't believe this just happened. Um, it was the Alex Verdugo move. And let me let me just say this, Buster. Let me get my two cents out first. As somebody, So I had said at the GM meetings, hey, listen, they were interested in Verdugo last trade deadline. The Red Sox were interested in Gladbrad Torres. I'm not saying this is necessarily going to be a one-for-one, but don't rule it out. Because in, in this, the idea of one team trading with the other, with the Yankees, as I wrote, this isn't, this is, we can't, the Red Sox are in no position to be um, beholden to a bumper sticker archaic rivalry when you're giving up dollar seats for a rivalry or a game a series in September. It is what it is. One team's building, one team's going for it, and it doesn't matter what division it is. But they did make a deal. Alex Verdugo goes there. What's your thoughts? I, and I read your column. I read your line, uh, the bumper sticker line, which was terrific. Uh, look, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, you know, and, and I think it was Billy Bean who, you know, 10, 10, 12 years ago, we had this great conversation about the idea of trading within your division. And he was like, I don't, he's like, I don't get like the whole scrutiny. You can't trade within your division. Well, if you feel like a trade makes you better, uh, then why wouldn't you do it no matter who it's with? Um, and yeah, uh, you know, when Alex Verdugo shows up in Fenway Park next year, if he gets a walk off hit at Yankee Stadium, uh, if you're a Red Sox fan, that might not feel great. 
But you know what? You're also because you've got players in return. <laughs> you know, those guys potentially could help you. It was clear, and you know this better than I do because you're around the team on a daily basis. It was clear that Verdugo's time with the Red Sox had kind of run out. Like he had hit the expiration date and they were ready to move on. Uh, and so if at the end of the day you have a player who you don't want to be on your team uh, in 2024 and you can get players in return for that, cares where they come from. Like <laughs> Red Sox have a long way to go to be relevant, I think, again, in the American League East. And that was a step forward. I do think, however, that Verdugo is going to have a really nice year for the Yankees next year. Yeah, I, I do too. And I think that's one of the things we can obviously just immediately default to contract year. You know, for, for a guy who has been criticized for his lack of focus, you know what focuses people? Contract years, you know? <laughs> and, and, and And also... Maybe just a different environment, right? Yes. No, 100%. And, and yeah, I, I think uh, that's going to be the challenge. And I think that in some ways the, the Yankees are better equipped to to do that in 24 than the Red Sox would have been. Uh, first and foremost, I think the Yankees' leadership among the players is better established. You know, you've got Aaron Judge, who's going to be standing over to Verdugo's right the whole year, and here's this guy who plays hard every day. He's a great leader. He's not going to have a problem saying something to Verdugo like, hey, we got to be better than that. And, you know, with all due respect uh, to the you know guys on the Red Sox last year, I didn't feel like that they had a guy like that, mm. you know, um, that that Verdugo would necessarily respond to, um, you know, and it does feel like it's a good change of scenery for him to go from Alex Cora, who clearly, you know, by last August, and again, you know better than I do, it felt like he was more fed up. And now he's got a clean slate as he go goes in and, and uh, you know, plays for Aaron Boone. And I can tell you this, you know, in Verdugo's time with the Red Sox, the Yankees all the time would talk about how much they loved his energy. Mm -hmm. They talked all the time about how they felt like he was a bright lights guy who would not be afraid in a big moment um, he's going to be fun to watch, I think, in that one year in Yankee Stadium. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, you know, I think he's, he's, a, he's a player that has, you know, obviously his flaws have been very public sometimes. But at the end of the day, I think that he's a winning player. I, I do. I mean, I think he's a winning player. I agree with you. Yeah. Can I tell you a little story about that? Sure. It yeah. just popped into my head a, a few years ago. And I can't remember exactly what season, exactly what situation, but the Red Sox were dead. Like it was a, it may have been uh, in a Ron Renneke, the Ron Renneke year, uh, where, you know, they were terrible. The Yankees, yeah, I think it was an empty Yankee stadium. And Verdugo comes in there in this lost, in this lost season and just put on a show. And they love the fact that even when they're out of games and the score was one sided, Verdugo was there to play. And I had guys on the Yankees talking about that. And I think that impression has stuck with them. That first impression has always stuck with them. Well, the other, obviously, the other big move, Soto. And there's a million ways we can go with this, Buster. But I'm just going to give you the floor. I mean, what's your what's your take? When you hear this deal, what's your takeaway? Or takeaway? Yeah, they had to do it. I think the Yankees, as we talked about, under a lot of pressure after a disastrous year, um, and they're pushing all the chips in the middle of the table for 2024, you know, which is Aaron Boone's last year under under contract as manager of the Yankees. Um, he's perfect in terms of being a left-handed hitter for that lineup. 
uh, you know, he and his agent, Scott Boris, made a big deal with the Padres. He needs to bat third. So you're going to have Aaron Judge hitting two <laughs> and Juan Soto hitting three, I would assume. And that's going to be pretty impressive. Uh, you know, the top of the lineup, a lot of uh, pressure on the opposing pitchers right to, from the get-go. The one risk, I think, in this, uh, if you remember when Soto was traded to the Padres, he struggled for a couple months. And yeah. guys on that team told me they felt that, you know, that he was putting a lot of pressure on himself. Uh, he was trying to prove himself to new teammates. And maybe that was a learning experience that will serve him well as he joins the Yankees. But you and I know if he strikes out in his first plate appearance in Yankee Stadium next year, he's going to get booed. Mm. And that's going to be new to him. And, and so I, I, I'm curious to see how he reacts to that. If people have wondered, you know, would he signed a, a, sign an extension with the Yankees sometime this winter? I think there's little to no chance of that. Yeah. With being represented by Scott Boris and how he handled his negotiations with Washington, I think he's looking to have a launch year and to become next winner, Shohei Otani. You know, going when you talk about Soto, you bring to mind what you just said about Judge and that dynamic. Uh, and you know better than a lot of people about how the Yankees are constructed, how that clubhouse is, you know, what the impact of Aaron Boone is. And, and how important – and we've talked about this a million times about how teams should value leadership in a clubhouse, I think for this exact reason. But knowing these guys, how much of a – we've already talked about Verdugo and that impact that Judge is going to have. Is it going to be the same thing with Soto? I mean, you know Soto probably better than I do. I don't think so. Uh, I think with Soto, it's an individual comfort level, and he's one of the smartest young players that I've ever seen. You know, uh, within two years after he started taking English classes, he was doing interviews in his second language on national television. Wow! Right, and I, I've had conversations with him as someone who got a D plus in my last class at Vanderbilt, which is Spanish two hundred three. Like I, I told him, I said, I, "You're putting me to shame. You're putting a lot of people to shame." He's a smart guy. I think he, you know, in some ways, uh, and I don't mean to say that he's Ted Williams, but as you know, statistically, Ted Williams is the closest comp to Soto. And having read a lot about T Ted Williams' personality, I think they're similar in that their daily battle was with their own pursuit of excellence. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. Like, I think Soto I mean, on a daily basis wants to be great the way that Ted Williams did. Uh, and I don't, so I don't think Soto is necessarily affected by outside things. He's just battling that day's pitcher, uh, that day's pitcher, the next pitch coming into the zone, judge whether it's in the zone or out of the zone, which he excels at, hitting for power. So, uh, you know, the one thing I would say is the judge will be a guy standing alongside him. If he does get off to a slow start and say, hey, dude, you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be OK. You'll work it out. Yeah, it's good to have someone. I mean, it's good to have someone who's been in that market and and gone through that and probably driven in, in somewhat in a similar way. And by the way, remember, Buster, I mean, they, fr why did they make anyone take French classes? That's what I didn't understand. <laughs> why are we offering French? Like, every everything should be – and maybe I'm looking through this baseball prism, um, but either Spanish or Japanese, please. Yes. Yeah. 
I must say, as a product of Central Vermont, I could understand why French was being well, offered. Well, yeah, right? you were a little closer you, to the to well, the a lot yeah. closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I always tell people the only you know the the diversity in my hometown was a bunch of French Canadian and French Canadians and wasps, <laughs> and that was about it. Well, again, Central Vermont, the uh, the hotbed of birth of uh, baseball. We we all knew. So <laughs> at least you you helped make it that way. All right, let's get to the other star, and this is. I read this column. I loved it. I loved it, which was your column on the Otani free agency in baseball and how we're perceiving it. Um, again, I mean, I think the best way to do it is just say, okay, Buster, like the floor is yours when it comes to this Otani stuff. So what pushed me over the edge to write that column was watch uh, was in watching Dave Roberts, uh, the manager of the Dodgers, navigate through this absurd situation, which was created by either Otani or Otani's representatives, where word went out to the teams, if you talk about Otani at all, if you talk about your negotiations with him, if you uh, express your conversation, anything about the conversation, then you're on double secret probation. There's going to be a penalty. It's going to be held against you, um, which right off the bat, as you know, made a lot of club executives oh, roll their eyes. Yeah, Like yeah. at the beginning of it, they were like, yeah, this is kind of silly. Then you have Dave Roberts, who's the manager of the, the biggest spending team in baseball right now with the Dodgers, in a press conference being asked, have you talked to Otani? And Dave Roberts, I think you would agree with me, if you were to drop a list of the 10 most respectful people in the sport, Dave would be on that list. He is a great person. He's incredibly respectful of other people, of players, of uh, front office uh, types, of media types. And he answers, yes, we did. Uh, you know, and uh, it was a really good meeting. And all of a sudden, he's now being peppered with questions. Have you affected the, the Dodgers' chances for signing him? And you and I know what's going to happen. If the Dodgers don't sign him, guess who's going to get blamed? Yeah. It's going to be Dave Roberts. How absurd is that, right? This whole thing, and I think it was Stephanie Epstein of the uh, of Sports Illustrated who wrote that if he doesn't sign with the Dodgers because of what Dave Roberts said, just stating the obvious newsflash, the biggest spending team in baseball is interested in the most prominent player <laughs> in the sport. Okay. It says more about Otani than it does about Dave Roberts. Uh, and, and that sort of pushed me over the edge. So what I wrote was this whole free agency for Otani should have been this great celebration of baseball of him. Everybody loves him. He's, you know, one of the greatest talents we've ever seen in this sport. He's an international star. Players, front office types are bending over backwards to kiss his ass like they love him. Uh, And so the idea that, you know, the other day he had a meeting apparently with the Toronto Blue Jays uh, generating the absurd headline of, you know, Otani's believed to have met with the Blue Jays. (laughs) You know, and at the end of that, you have Ross Atkins, the general manager of the Blue Jays, doing a Zoom call with reporters because he wants to keep up his schedule you know, to, you know, to hide anything they're doing. And he does it in front of a white wall like he's a hostage someplace because <laughs> he doesn't want to give away his place. And, and he won't talk about Otani. He won't say that he's in Dunedin. What I wrote in the column was if Otani had handled it this way, imagine if he had gone to that meeting with the Blue Jays and and at the end of it, he did a 10 minute Zoom, easily deflected questions about what he his intentions are, where to sign. He could have just said, look, I'm in the process I'm not going to talk about that. But you know what? 
I really love talking with the Blue Jays about Vladimir Guerrero Jr. How much fun would it be for me to hit with Vladdy, who I barely beat out in the MVP race? Uh, how much fun is it to play with Bo Bichette? Great hustle. The guy really has a great passion for the sport. That would be a blast. This new facility I just saw down here in Dunedin, amazing job they did down here. And I love the Blue Jays people, Ross Atkins and John Schneider and Mark Shapiro. And oh, by the way, I've noticed that the Blue Jays have uh, a, a charity, you know, Jays Care. Uh, they're, it's uh, designed to help children. I'm going to get $50,000 to that to thank them for their time, you know, and because and, uh, I appreciate it. I don't know what I'm going to do. You know, we'll see if it works out. But I love my time with the Blue Jays. And, and imagine the response to that. Even if he doesn't sign with the Blue Jays in the end, I think it was an opportunity for him to celebrate the sport, celebrate other people, let him be celebrated. And I think he's gotten really bad advice with how he's handled this situation. Yeah, and we're not talking about trade secrets. I mean, this is this is what we're... We're not know. talking about... Peace negotiations. Oh, exactly. He's going to get the biggest contract in the history of North American professional sports, <laughs> right? And instead, we're talking about whether or not Dave Roberts, you know, if his front office is mad at him because he uttered Otani's name and stated the obvious. It, it's And what it comes back to, Buster, exactly what you said. Let's not be blind to where the sport's at. And let's not be blind to, this is what we did with Mike Trout, right? And I'm a totally different thing, but what we scream about Mike Trout, it's the best player until Otani showed up. The best player in baseball isn't marketable. We aren't like talking about him like we should. We aren't, and sure, we can have Otani on New Balance commercials, but to your point, this is an opportunity. You think that the people know Otani on the periphery of baseball but they sure don't know about Toronto and what they're right. doing in Toronto or or whatever. And by the way, what are we supposed to? And then we have the picture of Otani at the Lakers game. Oh, avert our eyes. Avert our eyes. It's, oh, my goodness. Like, come on. Come, I mean, well, it, the it, best example, Bob, the best example of this the last few weeks is he wins the MVP award and he's got this little dog next to him, you know, this cute dog. And so I reached out to various people because the question wasn't asked in his in his post game or post award presser. What's the name of the dog? A simple question. Um, and it's not that big of a deal. It's not like some big, you know, big piece of information, but it's just kind of a fun fact to add. And what I got after asking those questions through channels <laughs> was they're not prepared to release this at this at this time. Really? Like we can't even talk about the name of the, the dog that's there. I, as I say, people in this sport have been rolling their eyes over how this thing has been handled. After I wrote that column the other day, I had people uh, within the industry, not only members of the media, but I had people within teams saying, thank you for writing that. Mm. Like, because there are people who want to say it, but they can't talk about it out loud because they might be put on double secret probation by the Otani camp. Yeah. And and again, I'm really happy you wrote that. And I'm really happy that the Dave Roberts thing came up. I, I you know, I actually had experienced a semblance of, of this dynamic uh, in the off season of this sort of paranoia. Um, but with Dave Roberts, it's just, hey, you know what? This guy, it, we have to we have to break off of being robots and just saying, being so careful about everything. And I'll go back to not only Dave Roberts, but Buster, I've been talking about this with GMs, the new wave of GMs. 
it's all right to show some personality. It's okay. It's okay just to say like simple things. It's okay to to talk like a human being. And I'm not saying these people are bad people, but Dave Roberts is a human being. That's why he did what he did. And it wasn't trade secrets. Now I would suggest other people take a cue from him. There's my rant on that anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, Dave Roberts is a leader. Like, and he's a natural leader. And, and again, he's stating the obvious. He's not afraid of his shadow. I mean, think about how David Stearns handled the whole dismissal of Buck Showalter, where he, you know, the word leaks out. He's got an agreement with the Mets. Uh, and as we came to find out later, he, one of his conditions, which was totally, you know, that's it, it's totally fine for him to ask for this and totally fine for Steve Cohen to give it to him. But uh, he wouldn't take the job unless he could hire his own manager. So rather than just get on a plane like Pat Gillick would have or, you know, John Sherholtz would have some of the great general managers and and fly out and meet with Buck and say, here's the deal, Buck. You know, I, I'm, I'm taking over the team. Uh, you know, his contract, by the way, 60 to 75 million dollars, depending on who you believe. So, you know, he should have the power to hire his own guy. Just go and talk to Buck, who's a baseball lifer, and say, I'm going to pick my own manager. I have so much respect for what you've done. Could there be a role for you in the organization? How do you want to handle the last two and a half weeks of the regular season and just speak face to face? Instead, we get this absurd situation where Buck is announcing his own firing. Oh, by the way, after, you know, talks about the lineup. Yeah, I'm not going to be back next year and no one's addressing it. And David Stern was hiding. Yeah, like it, it, it felt like that. It's like, come on. No, uh, no. I, you know, I don't. I don't get it. it. It seems like, uh, you know, it's another example of where leadership is needed in this sport. And I agree with you. I hope some personality, some leadership comes out. Yeah. Well, plenty of personality, Buster. Always with you. And I appreciate it. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Rob.